Mixing it up on this episode, instead of having poetry at the beginning, I'm going to have some music. Uh, this is a song by Ace of Bass, All That She Wants, and it's being performed by Cameron Crease from the Mercian Regiment. Enjoy. When she performed by Cameron Crease. I personally think that was amazing. And if you want to hear more from Cameron, go to ccrease22 on Instagram. He's got some fantastic work on there and you won't be disappointed. You're listening to Blue Pigment Podcast, sponsored by Huskarl. Go to huskarl.co.uk to find yourself some amazing printouts, stickers, and t-shirts. Use the discount code BLUEPIGMENT 10% off. On October the 14th, 1066, the Battle of Hastings, King Harold had fallen, yet his loyal bodyguards, the Huskarl, continued to fight, holding their oath to him until the last man was killed. The Huskarl brand now stands for that committed cause and loyalty to a shared brotherhood, all combining with a passion for great design. They seek to continue the Huskarl ethos providing the ultimate in design, quality, and sustainability. Their products are showcased by the modern-day Huskarl. Follow the you, not the fallen. I have just lied to you during that advert. The actual percentage you get off is 15%. Use discount code BLUEPIGMENT at huskarl.co.uk. Get yourself 15% off Get yourself one of those amazing Huskarl t-shirts and it'll be like, I've got one, it's got it now, no one else can have it, it's mine. Or words to that effect. Right, so I'm going to get talking to a guy now called L. Chi. Um, I've had his poetry on a previous episode, but I don't actually know that much about him. So I'm going in a bit blind on this one. Kind of like a mysterious guy, El Chi. I don't think I've ever heard of that name before. So uh, I'm hoping to learn a bit more about him. I've heard some of his poetry. I'm going to play some of it for you now. Um, and then we'll get cracking on straight with the interview. Hope you enjoy this poem. Scared Stiff by El Chi. 
watching the news, shedding a tear. A smug politician says, lend me your ear. These are dangerous times and everything is to fear. Fear of the night, afraid of the dark, not slept a wink, up with the lark. Fear of the virus, it might see us off, must fear the people who developed a cough. Fear of the foreigners, they're different to us, better suffer in silence and don't make a fuss. Fear of the additives put in our food, some reality TV to lighten the mood. We must fear the Russians, for they'll start a war. Better close all the windows and bolt all the doors. Fear of the Muslim who lives down the road. More reality TV will lighten the load. Fear is the lash that keeps us in line. A tactic they've used time after time. I'm tired of their mantra. It's bad for the health. When we've nothing to fear. But fear itself. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we're joined by El Chi, a uh, former member of the army and also a, a former member of the police, a, a poet. Are you still an active poet? Is... Um, yeah, I still write mainly, mainly for my own. Just, I just write them, you know. Um, I don't, I've never published anything until I've heard about you and uh, you kindly put some on YouTube, but I've never, ever really sort of publicized them. I put a few on Facebook before. Um, but that's about it, really. No, yeah. So when I when I got told about you, I'd, I'd listened to some of your poetry. Somebody had sent some across. And I was like, this is cool. This is really good. And uh, got talking to Susie Stanford as well from Military Veterans Creative Arts. And she's made some audio files of like a like your poetry, but with somebody else reading them out, I believe. Oh, yeah. Um, really good with some background noise to sort of give it that dramatic effect. Uh, really... Um, yeah, really good little visual or audio, should I say? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, how did you get into your poetry? Um, I've always sort of pretty much always written it. Um, I've had big gaps in my life where I haven't written any. Um, I pretty much started as a child. Uh, I wasn't very academic at school um, with most subjects, but English. I picked up English language and English literature. I, I just loved the the lessons, you know um strangely enough um and and i just i suppose as a kid sort of i had a pretty sort of rough upbringing and we weren't a rich family pretty poor family and um i just found it it helped sort of communicate with myself if if you can you know it, it's difficult to explain but um it sometimes it stops that conversation in your head and gives you something different to focus on yeah, that's good. A really good way of putting it. I think um, I'm probably quite similar to you. The the the, the poetry itself is um, is a good way of expressing emotions in a way that is more punchy yeah. and more more has more of an effect. But yeah. uh, I'm dyslexic, so when I write something or I read something, it's a lot easier for me to read it when it rhymes. If in in a way, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, which is which is strange. But uh, so I connected through it through that. And that was a way of me sort of being able to write, being able to read and develop my education in reading and writing from a young age. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if I'm, I, don't, I wouldn't say that I'm severely dyslexic, just very min minor dyslexia. But uh, yeah, yeah the, that is definitely, an, an, that's definitely aided me into, as like a bridge into reading and writing other things. So going yeah. for poetry and then picking up books and, and other yeah. and other forms of communication and stuff so yeah it's, it's really good um so the poem one of the poems that i first heard of yours was scared stiff do oh, you yeah. want to tell us a bit more about about that one yeah i 
I wrote that. Um, I'd started watching a lot of. Um, I retired from the police last year. I wrote that long before I retired, but I started um, watching for some reason. Watching a lot of more news than I used to watch. I'd pick up the news in a car, you know, like we all do. We're driving along, and top of the hour, and the news comes on. But I'd started taking an active interest in in the news, and I was watching everything from Al Jazeera, RT, BBC. So I was watching a wide variety of, of programmes, um, not consciously for any reasons, just, you know, like you do, you channel surfing. Oh, what was this news? You know, I was even watching foreign ones I couldn't even understand, um, just just for the visual. But um, I just I came to the realisation that, that a lot of the time, a lot of the stuff where was shown, uh, whatever it, whatever it's about, seems to always have that fear aspect in it to make you feel you know there's the bogeyman's in the cupboard or like like when you were you know a kid um the bogeyman under the bed and in reality you know the pretty much day-to-day mundane life there's nothing really to fear um obviously in your world um in the past you've obviously had things to fear and the same with me but but day-to-day every day every you know um, and that that really sort of spurred me on to write that. But <clears throat> it's strange because I don't, as a matter of fact, sit down and say, right, today I'm going to write a poem. I, I literally can't do that. It's an impossibility for me. I'll have occasions where I'm deep in thought or something will crop up. I'll see something on the telly and I'll start to, I could be anywhere. I've been at work before and something's come into my head, I just a phrase or a line and I, and I write it down. I write everything down. So I write it down, put it in my back pocket, and then I'll keep going over that every now and again. And then I'll find another rhyme, another the thing that rhymes or that maybe doesn't rhyme, and I'll add that. And eventually I've got this. If I put that out, if I showed you that, you'd look and think, crikey, what's that about? And then I'll I'll put it all into sort of context. And that's how that came about, really. It's just I, I was looking, thinking, you know every day you see on the net and it's all about fear it's all about making people you know your fear tax rises fear this fear that fear the other and yet to a lot of people that's really important because you know there's a lot of people on low wages and struggling but the actual fear side of it fearing life yeah and that's how i wrote it yeah i completely get that especially when you said about the boogeyman it's like when you're a parent and i don't know if i've been guilty of this with my kids but like oh don't run around that corner because you know there could be a car coming or you know and yeah, yeah. you used there's no car coming you already know there's no car coming but you yeah, say that yeah. in, a, in order to keep them yeah. safe and keep them in the place where you can see them and you can look after them control them in a way yeah and i suppose that's the news doing that it's like you better watch out there's something bad coming so you better yeah. hunker down and you better you know pay your taxes and yeah yeah i completely yeah. completely it was get really that. like you know, it, it, it was also things like, I've updated that a few times. I've got a current version of it because obviously it goes a little bit out of date. And when when the COVID, um, when the pandemic was, was at full swing and we were on lockdown, obviously I was still working because I was in the police and I was going to work daily. But I, I, I then, I don't remember if, I think the one I sent you had that COVID bit in it. Yeah, that's right. But prior to that, I wrote that about six or seven times over a long period of time and have changed it for various things. Um, and the COVID was one of the things I, I changed. And recently I've started to um, put a little bit about the, um, about the um, asylum seekers and how, how, you know, that that's sort of fed to us as if these people are you know, going to yeah. take over. There's too many of them. And there's, you know, whether you, Whatever people agree, you know, it's not for me to change people's opinions. We've all got our own opinions and every opinion is important. Um, but very much that another thing, you know, you, you see it and you think, oh, the fear again, we're not going to have any jobs because, you know, millions of people are coming over. And it, it's just that, you know, whether whether it's done, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but whether it's done on purpose, whether there's an agenda there or it's just the media being the media, Um but yeah, so I, I've changed that a few times. Yeah, I think it, it's it's like it's like humans are like inherently love. It's like we like being scared. Like we watch horror films because we yeah. like being scared, and, and it sells. You know that kind of story sells. It's like 
oh, what's going on over there? You know, something really bad's going on in Nigeria or something really bad's going on in Australia. Yeah. And it's just sort of like, that's, yeah. I wouldn't have a clue about that if you didn't tell me. And I would have just gone on in my merry way and just been happy. Yeah. But now I'm a bit yeah. down because some uh, koalas have, you know, need saving in Australia or something like that. And it's yeah, completely yeah. irrelevant in my life at, at the time. Yeah. Oh, you know, poor koalas, but <laughs> that's the, that's the <laughs> point. They're, they're, they're pulling on your heartstrings and they're pulling on. Yeah. Your, yeah. It's, it's like a science. They've got it down to a T to, to, yeah. to know what people will want and that what they're selling in the media is a story and they yeah. they want people to buy it and that that's yeah, yeah that's how they make their their millions and we're all buying into it <laughs> we continue to it, buy into it it's all part of the consumer culture that, that we're in nowadays and, and of course um it's no different than selling someone a car or you know they want us to buy their products so the newspaper you know they'll they'll have the headline print sound whatever it is or trying to be the most controversial it's not always the most helpful but but as you say yeah yeah totally agree it's it's just it's just another part of the consumer culture in a way. I mean, we need news. Um, and I don't think, I, I don't know whether I've got old git syndrome. I don't know how old you are, Ash, but I'm 56 now. And um, I, I think as you get older, you trust it less. You, but you also become more overly cynical, you know. Um, and I'm not really sure where I stand, whether I've just got old git syndrome or uh, I'm reading it right. <laughs> I think I might be on the same wavelength, you know, because I, I, as soon as I see the news and some picture comes up, I'm like, that's one side of the truth. Yeah. Uh, let me think about all the other avenues that there could be that yeah. is, is real as well. Yeah. But you could, yeah, you could get yourself wrapped up in, in all sorts of uh, stuff. I, it, yeah. I was thinking just now that there was a, a news article. It was a few years back and it was about a politician using his work laptop to watch oh, yeah. some uh, pornography or something like that as you know some adult videos and that was like the big the big thing in the media about this yeah. this politics i was thinking there are there are people in you know different countries that are getting kidnapped regularly yeah. like hundreds and hundreds of people getting kidnapped regularly on a regular basis and the biggest news yeah. story of the day was somebody injecting a political opinion via the news yeah. against this politician because he'd watched something on his laptop it's like who cares just yeah. leave, leave the guy alone yeah. <laughs> well there's an example of it now in the news where they're don't get me wrong i am quite political and i have certain issues with authority which sounds a bit strange considering i was a police officer, i was in the army police officer i i don't mean to say that i don't agree there should be authority figures and i'm not one of these subversive you know i'm not i'm not you know about to go and blow myself up but I do have an issue with some some aspects of power when it's misused, obviously, like we all do. But it's that, you know, a, a case at the moment is the media saying about, and now I'm no way a Tory, but Boris Johnson. I'm the first one to criticise Boris Johnson, but the fact that he's gone on holiday. And I'm thinking he has a 2IC, second in command, as you and I both know. Not sure who watched this podcast, but they might not know that terminology, but... Um, yeah, he has, you know, deputy prime minister and surely the man's got to have a holiday. <laughs> and and the, the, the news angle was he's telling us that we're going to be paying more for our gas, uh, more taxes. And yet this man's taking his wife and family on holiday to Spain. And you think so. So you might as well say that everyone who's doing quite well in life can't have a holiday because do you see what I'm saying? It's, yeah, yeah, yeah it's it's that fear thing again isn't it it's like yeah 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 i'm gonna be freezing cold this winter and he's sunning himself in marbella or whatever <laughs> i'll just put an yeah. he went to university and he studied hard and he he's got to where he's got you know well yeah you know i don't uh, yeah. grudge him off the no 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 i i, I I'm, remember remember i've got to steer away from from too much politics but uh so some of the other some of the other lines in that that same poem um scared stiff is 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 there any of that that sort of like you know an, a personal fear of anything that you're personally fear, yeah. scared of or yeah sure i was um, all of it i probably started off the first maybe 12 15 years of my life scared of everything uh mainly possibly because of an influence of parents but um just worrying about everything and, and anything um and i think very much 
the, the military sorted me because when I joined the army, I suddenly realised, hang on a minute, I'm part of a bigger picture here. I've got people around me. You know the comradeship. You know the you know the bad side of it. You know, but um, and I joined in 1983, a year after the Falklands, and uh, and I, yeah, that I'm not sitting here saying I've never been afraid. A lot of things I've been afraid of, but as I've got older, and I think that's reflected in the poetry. Um, yeah, I suppose maybe even subconsciously, I'm guilty of what I'm saying. Um, I've been afraid of this, I've been afraid of that, you know, afraid of the person down the road because they're different from me. And maybe not always consciously, but yeah. But that, then that, that, that realisation of like, oh, these things scare me. I've realised that, that now and mm. I, can, I can sort of self-analyse that now and go, mm. hang on. And that's basically the, the meaning of the poem. It's like you don't, what's the, the last phrase of that poem is there's nothing to fear but fear itself. And it's that mm. realisation that I'm scared of all these things. Why am I scared? Oh, it's just me. It's so it's self fulfilled yeah. pressure, pressure. Yeah, and that's it. Is it is the worst thing? Is the fear, isn't it? It's like don't open that. Don't, you know, be afraid of what's in that box. Well, unless I could sit there all my life looking at that box and being afraid, or I could open it, and what's the worst that could happen? And yeah. that's the realization that, that the fear can be the worst thing. And we all know you've been there. I've been there. That the fear is often. Um, often not as bad as the reality you know it's like you go for a procedure in a hospital or, or you're going to have a feeling or whatever and yet and you, most of us that sort of system set up to worry isn't it you're worried about worry about worry and afterwards you come out all sort of blase i remember a, a, a quick example of this was when i was posted to belize i was only 20 20 21 never been abroad well i'd been in germany b-a-o-r but i'd never been you know we'd never traveled on planes as kids never had holidays luckily we lived by the sea anyway um and i worried about it and i was frightened oh i'm going to this place there's a jungle i've heard about spiders and snakes and you know uh will i be right will i be homesick blah 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 and and when i got back i was all full of myself and blase you know they're worried <laughs> and not until later in life that you reflect and part of it's through through writing that you it's, it's almost self it's almost self-help you know self-analyzation yeah. and again sometimes i'm not conscious of it but but in retrospect talking to you about it there's obviously an element of that i'm writing stuff down and it's almost like healing you know and uh finding out who i am yeah it could be it could go from like the smallest thing so whenever i get a new group of people that i'm teaching or working with and you do say yeah. for instance an, an icebreaker and it's just yeah. a simple icebreaker of introducing yourself, telling maybe a funny story about something that's happened, you know, that, that sort of icebreaker. And when you're going around the room and you know that it's coming up to you next, you start getting a bit nervous. Like, oh, I've got to tell this story about myself. And what if everyone thinks I'm an idiot and starts taking a piss out of me or whatever? And then by the time you finish it, you're like, what the hell was I nervous about that for? It was nothing. It was absolutely nothing. And there was no reason. Yeah. And it, it's exactly the same with um, a different sort, you know, the other side of the spectrum, me being the parachute regiment, jumping out of planes. Of, yeah. of going for that process of like you know i'm not scared i'm not scared it, but that it's yeah. a barrier it's a barrier i'm not scared oh, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm tough i'm gonna jump out of plane whatever and then yeah. you're putting on this tough facade and then when you've actually jumped out of the plane and you've landed on the ground you're all giddy like hey oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well how oh, was it and everyone's chatting to each other like oh how was yours yeah. oh mine oh, God. oh i nearly didn't drop my kit you know all this sort of uh, you know stuff that yeah. starts coming out and everyone's talking about it but before that they're a bit sort of barriers up defensive yeah. yeah yeah i was trying to think of uh other so i've actually feel like with some things over time and learning myself and being a bit more mature, mature there's some things that i'm completely ir irrelevant not feared not scared of doing at all but then there's other things that now i'm a dad that completely changes things on the head like you start thinking more in depth like hang on this time i jump out of plane if I do get injured, you know, I've got, I've got the kids to think about and the, and yeah, the yeah. wife and, and, the, and all that sort of stuff. And yeah. that, that self, it sort of like brings it back that you're, you're not invincible. Yeah. And yeah. it's not just me now in the world that I've got to look out for, isn't it? It's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Totally great. 
so yeah, that, that that both those poems that I've had on a previous episode, we'll talk about um, is, uh, legatum in a moment. But scared stiff and legatum, they're kind of in a way they are poems and po- poetic, but they're very mm. like speechy as well. Like they they could almost be a a speech, you know, like a a very well rehearsed speech that you'd give somebody to increase their confidence or increase their um, their want to get more out of life. Yeah, uh, that's how I found them anyway. So um, I, I'm not sure I've done that consciously, but uh, that's that's quite nice to know that that's how they might be taken. Oh, um, no, yeah, definitely. And and thinking back, yeah, I could see if I was reading one that I hadn't written and it was that on that vein. Yeah, I, I suppose it's a bit of a mystery where, where it comes from. It's like anything, isn't it? It's um, it's like when you sit down and you're doodling and something comes out. I doodle a lot, you know, and I do a lot of drawing as well and I'll, I'll doodle and then something will come out of that. And I'll think, wow, where did that come from? Not, it's going to sell it. It's not a Banksy, but to me, it's like, well, I didn't sit down to do that and it will come out and it will mean something. And yeah. It's, it's odd. It's, I can't put a, I can't put an exact, um, an exact reason for it, but suffice to say that when I do do it, it really does, as you say, the mental health aspect of it, I'll sometimes boost myself up because I'll, I'll think, you know, it's almost like looking in the mirror and giving yourself advice. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think it's just to, if you, if you really look at a lot of people, especially people that maybe work in the city and they have a really busy hustle and bustling type of lifestyle. And they, you, you could say to them, like, when was the last time you doodled? when was the last time yeah. you, you messed around a bit and you balanced across a wall and you played around and you know, yeah. and it's like just a little thing like that could be the difference between having a good day and having a bad day, you know, just take, just taking that five minutes to just do a little a doodle, relax your mind, yeah. rest yourself a little bit and then carry on with yeah. whatever the strenuous activities you've got going on or, yeah. you know, going back into your child mind in a way and just sort of, playing yeah. around with stuff and just seeing you know seeing where the creative creativity goes and where it takes you and you know you yeah start writing a couple of words as like a, again a poem and then think yeah. oh i like the way that this is leading and then, then yeah. before you know it you've got like a a, a massive you know two-page spread yeah. poem on the, on the go yeah i mean I, I i don't even know why i sent those two particularly um and I, i've written quite a few that are just frivolous and just I, I wrote one a long time ago i don't know if i if you saw it but it, it was it was down the lines of uh, i think it was should i shan't i won't i maybe i just might should i run and hide away or should i stay and fight um uh what was the other and it, and it goes on the lines of um maybe i'll just wait and see because being indecisive really isn't me <laughs> no yeah, i like that there's stuff that will come out like that and I'll just think, you know, I might hear the word indecisive and I'll think, ah, that's uh, that sort of made me, you know. I mean, my favourite poem, and I didn't write this and I don't even know who the author was and it was the first poem I remember as a child hearing and it was the play on the word weather and weather, the climate weather, and it was whether the weather be fine or whether the weather be not, whether the weather be cold or whether the weather be hot or whether the weather, whether the weather whatever the weather, whether we like it or not. <laughs> the first poem I remember reading, and I think my mother got a secondhand poetry book. There was quite a few things. There was a few Spike Milligan ones. There was various, and I can't remember who the author of that is. But, um, yeah, so I've written some little frivolous ones before. My favourite all-time poem is the shortest one and it's called atoms and it's adam haddam that's it but yeah i don't really know I, I think it is i think anyone who does anything um like you say that, that gets them away from the grind it's quite helpful i think to beneficial for your health yeah, because you're doing yeah. It, you don't have to do we, you know we all have you have your duty as a soldier i had my duty as a police officer you, and you you have uh, you, you have people have expectations of you but with poetry with something i write it's mine it doesn't matter if 
if I like it, it doesn't matter. A lot of the time, I never ever showed anyone, you know. Um, but but there's that thing that I've written that, and I like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, yeah, I completely get it. There's um, so most of the poetry that I've written, I've not written that many, to be honest. The, the poetry that I've written has all been sort of military based, and I've written yeah. one about about my brother and um, being in the fire service and how that's similar to you know the brotherhood of the army, and. Yeah. But there's one I'm working on now, which is completely different. It's a, it's like a, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm still working on it. It's kind of like a comedy kind of poem, but mental health slash comedy kind of poem. And I'm, it's something yeah. I've not done before. So I'm kind of struggling with doing something differently, but I'm enjoying it because it's something different. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, that. It's the construction of that that's also enjoyable. One of the poems that, that I saw of yours was about the aliens thinking about oh, yeah. visit visiting earth i thought that was i thought that was quality yeah very true as I, well like well would you come here <laughs> yeah I, I, i've written a, i've written a few like that and and out of the few that i thought oh i don't really uh, it's not really what i wanted to say it, almost like buying three cars and building a good you know three classic <laughs> building a good one I, that poem out of the other three that i've still got as drafts but I just did it because i thought I can't even remember what spurred me on. It was something definitely about, are oh, there aliens? I think I was watching a documentary or something. I thought, and someone said, you know, maybe they visited Earth. And I thought, you know, if I visited this planet, the first thing I'd say is, I want to speak to the manager. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So I just wrote, <laughs> I mean, I've got, I've got no truck with the human race and I, I love people and I, you know, we're all brothers and sisters, but, but sometimes people might read my god he's dark or he's depressing or you know what wouldn't come to and there's some beautiful people on the earth some beautiful things and a beautiful place but i just again i got a bit frivolous and i thought ha, you know no i'm yeah, not gonna do that. yeah the aliens aren't gonna come near us but there was there was in there as well there was the thought of are we really you know what we're doing to ourselves yeah yeah exactly it's a it's a double-edged weapon a uh, double-edged uh, message so it was, I'm trying to think, I've, I was mentioning the the one legatum about, you know, how much time you have left on this earth and what yeah. kind of, if if you remember, I don't know how many you've written, you, if you racking your brains to know what that one is, or do you, do you remember that one? Yeah, uh, that, that one was, that one was heartfelt, that was men. Um, I've read it for ages, but it, it, it's the one about... Um, Our time on the, this, this earth the, is short. Yeah, is it one that ends with about being happy. Maybe yeah. it's just about. Happy. Yeah. yeah, I, I think I mentioned to you when we were having all these problems getting online, um, on Zoom. I'm not sure we mentioned it here, but about my friend Terry Martin, who was a member of Three Power. He joined in 1983. Um, uh, sorry, he joined in 79, and he was in the Falkland Islands, and um, he then ended up. He did his 22 and ended up. Um, when the when the offices the recruitment offices had had serving soldiers doing it and he was in charge I think came out of WA2 but anyway he um, he was tragically killed in a road traffic collision um, and he, he was sort of I'll say the last I can't remember how long after but about a year after my brother Des dropped out of a sudden heart attack uh, he was fifty eight. 59 at the time um and prior to that it basically a, a run of bad luck uh, my father died at 80 which wasn't bad it ends um and and then um my wife's brother who was only in his 40s got cancer um and he, he was dead within weeks um and then she lost her dad and then um they'd had a run of it i'd had and then a detective inspector, Barry Warder, absolutely lovely man. He was my DI at the time I was in CID. He suddenly went sick uh, with some pains in his back and never came back to work. A few months later, he was dead of it. So over about 18 months, two years, I lost a lot of people that were quite important to me and close. And it got me thinking, one, it got me thinking people shouldn't be hanging around with me too much because <laughs> I might be lucky. Um, I had to use humour to get through it, you see. But two, um, 
that's what that poem's about. The fact that it sort of made you, I've seen it in the police and, and you know, you've seen it, but you suddenly become, we all know that that's the inevitable end, you know, uh, but we all, we spend our lives repudiating that fact. We spend our lives just overlooking it or, you know, and quite rightly so, because you've got to get on with living and it's all about today. And then suddenly something comes into your life that completely throws you off balance and you and and that's then in the forefront of my mind and i'm thinking what's the point of it all why why are we doing all this why are we here and i just got to the end of i think the poem says about happiness done it at the end yeah sure um i could look it up i wrote it's... it a long time i just sent it to susie and yourself when she asked for some poems but yeah that was that that was about that was actually physically sitting down trying to work it out in my head yeah, I think uh, those those diff one of the first words I think is uh, our time on this earth is short, and when I think about that, it's just it's just so true. Yeah, and the amount of times that you know you take that for granted, and you just don't you just don't think about how short our time is here. And yeah. you know, I'm, I've got my phone here, and the amount of times that I've been sat here looking at my phone, that's yeah. that's that's as that's the distance of my vision is from my yeah. here to my phone. You know. Yeah which is insane you know when i've got one life and i've got this whole world to explore yeah um yet i'm either sat behind a desk at you know at work or or when i've yeah. got, got a bit of time off and i feel like relaxing i'll probably just you know lie down yeah. have a little relax sit on the sofa pull out my phone and it's yeah. it's so sad like there must yeah. be there's more to <laughs> there's more to life yeah and just realizing that and going hang on a minute right it's okay to use my phone in modesty in, in, in moderation uh, yeah. and then go out for a walk and go see you know, somewhere yeah. you've never been and all that sort of thing yeah. that's that's what i took from your poem and that's why i said scared stiff and legatum are sort of like speeches in a way to yeah you know self-help and in improve your your life so yeah. i really i really appreciated those poems so thank you very much oh, cheers ash i think what i was trying to say in that was um i actually am none the wiser for it i'm none the wiser what it's all about that's why the end bit said well it, might, it must be just happiness being happy because i seriously uh, have thought about it and thought about it when all those people would died you know and yeah i still didn't get to the bottom of it so i thought do you know what that's all we've got left <laughs> that's all it's about is smiling and you know if you can make a few other people smile and uh, yeah that was it really and i'm not saying i'm right i'm not saying i'm wrong i don't know no, so so whereabouts? Um, so you see in the police, whereabouts is your sort of your beat, your uh, your area? Well, I've always been in Hampshire Police, Hampshire Constabulary. I live down in Portsmouth on the south coast, and um, uh, I have to plug this: the only island city. And uh, <laughs> but I um, yeah, I live down here, and um, you probably know Aldershot from not far from me. Uh, yeah, um, not. not not overly well, but, you know, um, the yeah. regiment's in uh, Colchester now, so. Was the home of the Paris when I was in the mob. But, yeah, so um, I've been um, I've been various things. I started off response and patrol like everyone did. You, you do your training, two years probation, response and patrol. Um, and then I did a, a burglary squad thing, which was just plain clothes stuff, and then went into CID and... Um, yeah, and, and did some various bits and bobs like work with the National Crime Agency, um, doing raids, um, mainly for drugs, uh, vice stuff. And, um, and I had some great fun because I, I did the Royal Wedding um, because basically other uh, like people like the Met, they, it's called Mutual Aid. So they ask other constables, you've got this big thing. And the pot of money comes from the home office and constables, and you just put your name down, an email gets sent out. Um, so I made myself busy doing stuff like that. The Trump visit, Operation Viscount, I was involved on that all through the security bit at the beginning and then on the day. Um, so, yeah, I, yeah, I, I was a beat officer as well um, for quite a while at the housing estate. And, um, yeah, I loved it. Did that, so that, that give you inspiration? Is there any poems that sort of you've written that centralise around your, your career? Yeah, I've, I've written... Um, not, not really to do with the policing aspect, but things that I've come across and seen during that period of my life. Um, yeah, so certain, certain, 
like I say, you, you know yourself, you get um, you get inspiration from various things. Sometimes things you, you wouldn't think are inspiring. Um, but yeah, I've written stuff, but it's mainly stuff that's come through while I'm doing the job, but not particularly about police, you know? Yeah, I think uh, um, that, that close down of Afghanistan and seeing that on the news gave me a bit yeah. of inspiration to start writing a poem about that. And then yeah. um, then my my wife wrote a poem about it as well, and it completely blew my poem out of the water. So I just <laughs> they kind of sacked my one off and then uh, stuck, stuck with her one. But uh, it was re yeah, a really good poem. I was quite proud of you know, very proud of her, actually. Um, but yeah, that that you've got to look for inspiration everywhere, really, haven't you? Like, yeah, and, and it comes from it comes from the you know I mean I don't know where it comes from, but sometimes you'll you know I'll be sometimes it, <laughs> this doesn't happen a lot, and it's only happened maybe twice, two or three times, where I've woken up in the night um, for no apparent reason and gone downstairs and written something down, and it on, on I think two occasions it didn't it didn't amount to it. I never wrote. So I've got this book and it's. If you looked at it, it's all sorts of scribbles and writing and crossings out and spelling mistakes and stuff I've written in there. The odd bit of shopping list. But um, there's not, you know, there's there's been a couple of times where something's come into my head. But I think to myself, do you know what? That's in the book. I might get another piece of that jigsaw. It's almost like a crime, you know, where you look out and you look for the CCTV and, and slowly all the little bits of information come together like a puzzle and, and i look at it like that i've got all these little bits that don't really mean anything um but it might be that little piece i'll, I'll you know i'll be writing a poem and i'll say oh that's a nice phrase and <laughs> bug it in there later you ever thought about writing a book because it sounds like you've got uh, you've got a lot of poetry and you've got a, a lot of knowledge on it um i've never really thought about it uh you mean poems put it in yeah put yeah it into like a poetry book yeah or? never really thought about it i've probably got i've probably got enough for a book yeah. um but i wouldn't i'm not saying i wouldn't know how to go about it but publishing and yeah yeah i haven't really thought about it yeah, like i say most time, when i when i was a kid i didn't like to i didn't like to um I had a laugh and a joke with my mates and i, I loved limericks you know uh listen to the grown-up ones and, and then tell them at school you know try not to rude words and all that like you do as a kid but um no, I never used to show my my writings. Uh, yes, in my writing in the back of books. Yeah, strange, isn't it? It's like uh, poetry isn't seen as cool, but no. rap, rap, like a rap song, which is all it is, is rhythm and poetry. Yeah, and that's that's cool. <laughs> yeah, but but I mean, if you if you look at people like Rudyard Kipling and that, and you think even in his day was was he cool? Did people perceive him as, and I don't know, because I've never spoke to anyone from his era, but you, you look at people like him and Keats and, and you read their poems, and you think, I wonder what people made of them. <laughs> yeah. you know? Especially the love, what, love poems yeah. and stuff. People that write love poetry are probably like, what are you up to, you soppy git? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and your world, which is still obviously macho and, and the world i came from the culture of the police has changed slowly but you know um like i say when i joined the army and uh it, it's very much it's very much um you need to fit in don't you 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 almost feel like you have to fit in i don't know what it's like in this day and age but yeah but, yeah no, definitely definitely and you don't want to be seen as the the outside you don't want to be seen as here that that, that Viney, he, uh, they used to call me Viney. He, he writes poetry, you know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you want to be thought of that way. He's a good. He's a good regimental boxer, him, or he's he's good at football or whatever. Not not. Yeah, he, he writes a bit of poetry. That lad. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you're completely right as well. Because it even my the poems I do write, I write them in a kind of a macho way. So one of them is "Brothers Forged by Fire." And it's about yeah. staring death, you know, staring at death and, you know, um, being beside your brother in a firefight and stuff, stuff like that. So it's kind of like a macho poem. Um, yeah. So it's trying to write poetry, but also keep face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've got, I've got one that I've written about that, a, a military style poem that I'm going to unleash on Facebook um, for uh, Remembrance Day about poppies. So uh, 
I've, I put it on before a few years back or did I put it last year? But I'm going to unleash that again. But that's, that's, that's one that I think I would have got away with in my time in the military because they've all gone, whoa, you know, you know what it's like. Proper like, you know, like get you pumped sort of poem. Like, yes, that's mega. That. Yeah. It's all about that, you know, and, and quite rightly so remembrance is, is a special time, isn't it? Um, especially for people like me and you, but yeah. Um, but other poems, I'm, I wouldn't have, I would have kept them. It's crazy, isn't it? We all do that. We all stick that mask on and we all, we don't want to be seen. I, I don't want to ever be seen. I, I didn't like it as a kid being seen as, as the vulnerable one. Um, and like I said, I didn't have a great childhood, but what I did is if you ever speak to anyone who knows me well, they'll say, oh, Viney the Joker, he was the class clown. He was always, uh, you know, I was, I was nicknamed the laughing policeman. Um, because I use humour as my shield. I needed humour, you know. I'm not a big bloke. Um, I've always been 11, 12 stone, even as a soldier, police officer. I'm five foot seven. Um, and nearly everyone was bigger than me at school. Um, but I was quite popular because I was the guy, hey, can't get, he's got a load of jokes. Or <laughs> It was my ass. They were my weapons. I had jokes and I had the front to carry it off and the cheeky one, you know, and it worked for me. Sort of, I've mellowed a bit, but I've sort of carried it on into my adult life. Just did, and it's it's what's seen me through. I think yeah. if I hadn't, I'd have left the party many years ago. Um, you know, but but yeah. So when uh, you talk <laughs> about the masks, it's it, the masks that you're saying there is this. Depending on what you do as, as a living and who you perceive yourself to be, you could have you could have hundreds of masks on you at the same time. So, for instance, you're in the forces you wear a certain mask you're in the army there's another mask on top of that you're in the infantry yeah. there's an infantry mask you're in the parachute regiment there's a parachute regiment yeah. mask that's on top of yeah. the, all those other masks and then what rank you are there's another mask that goes on top because you've got to act a certain way uh, being that rank and then you know yeah. and then when you strip all those masks down there's just another vulnerable person underneath it all surely yeah she's yeah. another person trying to get through life and, and and you know your whole your whole uh your whole reason for you doing this about mental health and it's it's a worthy thing because you know especially now i think i think the good thing is i mean we all knew it I, I lived through the vietnam war as a kid you know i remember it ending in 76 i think it was um and i lived in Haley. i came from hailing island i don't know if you know it, a small island on the south coast with a bridge to the mainland it's probably only about five miles by five miles and that's where i was born and grew up um pretty much everyone knew each other um the mainlanders used to say everybody was related but it's not true but um it, it's now pretty much retirement people from london but but i remember um the vietnamese boat people moving into thorny island which was the air force base that had closed about a year before um and Brit britain pretty much took the refugees in in those days and i remember um them coming over to hailing island and rubbing shoulders with these strange people from another land and you know i'd heard it on the news um but even then we all know now the, the terrible mental health those troops suffered the american troops no one really went there did they no one spoke about it yeah um, and and i think nowadays we're a lot better especially in the forces in the army in the police um, even when I joined the police, it was you'd go to a serious incident or a terrible accident, or road deaths or, you know, a sudden death or something. And you, it was very much a culture. And I think it worked at the time is um, you went up to the bar and you had a drink and everyone took the piss out of you and you dealt with it there. And then you went home. Um, not really the way to do it. it. It worked, but there was alcohol involved, you know um there was no no professional sort of input so i think now um i don't know how you I, i'm not in the modern army but I, I don't know how you feel whether that's got better and people are especially in your world parachute regiment very proud regiment you know we were all crap hats and uh, you lot were all god and uh, quite rightly so you've earned it <laughs> but, uh, but thanks i'll take that but I, I, yeah yeah <laughs> I it was almost it was almost like your battalions in the old days i rubbed shoulders with terry and other paras and, and when i went to belize we took over from three para i think but it was almost third battalion is better than the second second better than third first 
And there was even that rivalry within. And I, I come from Royal Regiment of Artillery. That's I was in 2-6 field. And there was always, you know, we are better than air defence because we fired the big howitzers. And, and uh, you know, 7th RHA, Royal Horse Artillery, consider themselves powers um, or the parachute train, just like the engineers. Um, and there was always that, well, we wear the Maroon Beret and you lot got Black Berets and, you know, um, you go around saying Ubiquay and all that, and Latin crap. And yeah, there was all that rivalry. Um, and it is very much macho. And I think the police changed and I think the army's changing for the better. And I think the wars that you guys have just been through, which I, I never experienced. I was during the British Army on the Rhine years in Northern Ireland. Um, I think that's helped a lot. Do you agree? Yeah, I think um, it's, it's a strange one because I suppose back in your time, there was no social media. So if you, you know, you, you could shut yourself away or you'd have to, sorry, you'd have to go and socialize. Whereas now uh, people that want to socialize, they, they don't have to actually physically go and see somebody. They just do it online, which for some yeah. ways that's better because they can literally access any help at any time if they need yeah. to. But in yeah. other ways, it's bad because they can just shut themselves away and, and not speak to anyone. Uh, so yeah. it's, again, it's a double double edged sword. Yeah. Um, but the army's view on it, I think, has definitely improved massively. Yeah. And I think that's down to uh, again the the realization of you know. I, I think some of it may may have come from pressures from media outlets as well. It's like you know when when you see it on the news or on social media it hits home more when you hear about you know a, a soldier committing suicide or a soldier yeah. on, the, on the streets and we talked about the media being a, a little bit negative with the fear side of things but then yeah. i suppose in the positive way it brings information to light about statistics yeah. and you know i'm not saying like mainstream media but social media if somebody yeah. decides yeah. that they're going to write a a survey on how many people have committed suicide. I mean, it's easy to get that information out now rather than before you'd have to approach a newspaper or you'd have to approach a, uh, somebody else. But, um, yeah. yeah. So in some ways it's, a uh, media is, yeah, again, it's a double-edged sword and yeah. Yeah. The, the army's method or approach to improving right. mental health has definitely come on leaps and bounds. And again, that's yeah. just, it's going to happen naturally through time anyway you know yeah. scientific breakthroughs and oh realization of of um, yeah. the human mind yeah i think i think we're encouraged to talk more now and and i think the poetry side of things is is a way i can talk even most of the time because i until i until i you know knew about you met you through susie and, and susie on as you say on social media it pretty much i was i was talking to myself with the poetry so i was almost uh unpacking certain issues and problems that and, and again like i say i'm not necessarily right in my opinions in it even my political ones but it, it i suppose it was my therapy yeah just in, in the same way as learning um i don't know if like so learning you have like three different types of ways that people learn uh, audio visual and kinesthetic which is like hands-on and the yeah. same way as like expressing yourself some people express themselves audially or you know they yeah. might listen to music and that helps calm them down it helps them uh yeah realize their emotions and you know listen to some music go for a run and that calms them down and then you've got you know people that read and write like yourself and i that might write something down and that helps us express ourselves and then you've yeah. got kinesthetic people that have to do something active, whether, you know, again, if it's like a run or, uh, yeah. you know, physically playing an instrument. So you're hitting the kinesthetic and the audio learn you know, or release. So, uh, yeah, it's just different people you know, accomplish things in different ways and get over, uh, you know, emotional or mental uh, bumps in the road in, in different manners. So, yeah. Yeah. What works for you? yeah yeah exactly um i'm going to move on to the the dreaded question that i ask everyone and that's the most courageous thing so what is the most courageous thing that you have ever seen or heard of um two things really one i touched on it before terry uh, god rest his soul who 
who was, I'll tell you the circumstances. He was um, three para like yourself. Um, wonderful man. Really nice bloke. Proper, proper tough, pompy lad. Proper, you know, they, they, the various stories from when he was in the Falklands, you know, they were, they were checking after the um, Argentinians got overthrown. They were checking buildings and, and being very careful because they could have booby-trapped them, not Terry's running along kicking the doors. His mate said, what are you doing? He said, I'm effing hungry. I'm looking for food. <laughs> Words to that effect, you know, proper, good, tough man, but a nice, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and um, they used to rip me about being a copper and we'd have a laugh. And he was my neighbour. He lived over the road as well. Um but yeah, so he's driving along. He's finished in the in the army. Um, he's, he's he was a recruitment officer. Recruitment ran the uh, Southampton one. Uh, then the uh, civvies took it over. Civvy company. Anyway, he he got a job driving carers about people who cared for old age pensioners, and you know he'd take them to various houses. And he was on one of those trips in a car. And it was, I'll never forget, it was February, it was drizzling. Um, and I'd heard, I was on duty, I, I didn't go to it, I'd heard there was an accident, never knew what it was all about. Just as you do, you pick up these things on the radio, you know, traffic unit, road death investigation team being sent, um, which was quite hard for me to deal with. And I'm not sure why, um, because I hear lots of things, but it's just finding out after it was someone close. But... Um, yeah, he's, he's going down, he's turning off, he sees a car crash on the slip road um, and a woman trapped. So he jumps out of his car, um, he's got an earpiece in one of these Bluetooth and he's also dialing the police. So this is all heard by the control room. Um, and he's, you know, he's basically trying to get this woman out of a trapped car wasn't burning or anything but but she's quite bad injured and uh, unfortunately um dark raining uh a car came up the slip road really fast crashed into the car that he was trying to help him and, and him also and killed him um yeah that was absolutely hard to deal with. yeah courageous side of things and and you know if i if i if I played that in my head and it wasn't a real scenario and someone said, who would you, who would you say would do that sort of thing? It would have been Terrence, you know, he'd, he'd have pulled that person out of the car. Um, yeah. And, and another one, a colleague of mine, when um, she was out in plain clothes, uh, really good friends. We were, she was out with another colleague and he was, they were arresting some drug addicts in a park and um, he stabbed him three times. And missed his heart by an inch, missed his lung, oh, nicked his lung, missed his kidney. He's alive. He's alive and kicking and well, thank God. Uh, it was probably about six, seven years ago. But the way she dealt with that at the scene at the time, um, how courageous she was in helping him, how cool she was on the radio. Yeah, various, various things. like that. There's been quite a few, but I think Terry stands out, uh, you know, out of the crowd, really. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's that. Yeah, I was trying to I was trying to explain this on my last podcast to one of the other other guests was uh, you know, like in the human, I might as well just go through it again. <laughs> in the human body, you get red blood cells and white blood cells, and yeah. the, the the red blood cells just carry oxygen from one place to another. That's their life form. They they go around, yeah. they take oxygen over there, then they they come back, they get some more oxygen. That's their life. That's what they do in their their life. And you get a uh, white blood cells that go the same, you know, they go up and down with the red blood cells, but when they sure. see something go wrong, when they see an accident, when they see a tragedy happening or something that needs to be dealt with, the white blood yeah. cells will rush in and they'll fix that, that injury, or they'll fix that, you know, the illness or that problem that they're solving. And some sure. people, that's, that's some people, some people are those white blood cells that are, that will rush in and be the first on the scene and be the ones to help. And yeah. it's the, uh, it's, it's the you, it's the, it's the soldiers, it's this, it's the police, the fire brigade, the ambulance service, the, the medics and the NHS staff are white blood cells that are there to, to save the body, you know, to save the system, to, to keep the, the everyone else safe. Um, yeah. 
so uh, you know i absolute hats off to you um doing your you know your blue service in the police and obviously your, your green service in the army as well thanks sir. I, I always think about the police and how you're always on duty you know you're on the front line yeah um, when a soldier goes away they could go away for you know a six-month tour which is intense six-month tour yeah but then they'll come back and they may have you know a year and a half training ready for another deployment in, a, in a, another year and a half or so but the police yeah. are constantly on that on that rotation of you know every day you put on the uniform and you step out your, out your house and you're going to work or even at work you know you're in the in a dangerous and vulnerable position so thank you yeah. for your service i know you've 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 retired now is that correct yeah um i have to say thanks for yours as well ash because um you know, without without the army, especially now with the tankers and the things uh, over the years filling in with the fire brigades. Um, I never did that, but I had mates who did, and those awful green goddesses. Don't know if you heard about them. They were yeah, yeah. Now with a bell on it. Um, but yeah, yeah, I finished uh, September the fourth on my fifty fifth birthday last year, and uh, funnily enough, I went to work with uh, my wife at a private school, so I'm a caretaker there now. Oh, so. Nice. Um, yeah, going around changing bulbs. <laughs> Easy, still, still caring for people, you know. Still looking after people. This is a. So what? What? Year, what? How old were you when you joined the the army? Um, I was seventeen and a half. So, so fifty, and then you left the police at fifty-five. So that's the majority yeah. of your your life is just been in service to to other people. In Thank uniform, you. basically. Yeah, it's been quite a quite. Um, not hard it's it's just been when i came out of the army it wasn't so bad because i was going into another uniform role but coming out of the police having been in the army and then the police yeah it was quite a quite a shock to the system really and i've taken a year to adjust i've adjusted all right i've actually <laughs> written a little bit of a poem about adjustment and um but yeah yeah so uh yeah well thank you for your service and thank you for your time coming on the podcast um really really appreciate it i've what i've gonna do is i'm gonna put the the, the scared stiff um poem at the beginning of, of this so people know what we're talking about when we're, we're talking about that poem but uh yeah if there's any uh before before i go is there anything that you want to plug is there a you should definitely create a website or a youtube channel or write a book because your poem is your poetry is amazing so is there any way that people could find your work yeah um pretty much well not really the only the only thing is now and again when um you know i think there's a message or i just like the sound of it and I'm, i suppose I, I want people to see my poetry it's it's, it's not an arrogant thing I, you know um i've hidden it in the past but every now and again so really at the moment only on my facebook but i might look into that and just just do another social media site, Facebook site with, with just poetry and invite others to send theirs in to sort of, you know. Um, yeah. Well, you can always use my platform, you know, if there's any poetry you want to get out there, I'm I'm happy to, to put it out there as long as it's not too oh, political brilliant. and all that sort of stuff. Um, brilliant. All right, Ash. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I, um, I, I might put a bit of my, you know, some funny stuff and uh, yeah, that's, that's very kind of you. I might use that. I'd like to plug, just a quick one. Um, Forgotten Veterans UK, if I can. Um, it's, I don't know if you know, but down in Portsmouth, there's a fort called Fort Cumberland. It's in a place called Eastney. It's one of the old Palmerston's Victorian forts when, uh, you know, when we were all paranoid, the French were going to invade. The only and, part uh, of Pompey that, yeah. uh, down there that I've seen is the military histor historical docks. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, this is a fortification that's owned by Portsmouth City Council and half of it um, was loaned, I suppose, to um, some local veterans um, who, they do a great job. I, I met up with them in Celsius. I didn't really understand what they did. Um, they were doing some uh, charity work where four of their guys, really old soldiers, ex-soldiers, were sleeping for a whole week in Portaloos um, on the seafront and their little cookhouse and uh they they weren't even allowed to move out of there so they had various books and they were sitting sleeping sort of you can imagine in a portal in the old green army maggots and yeah it was brilliant people were beeping at them and throwing them money 
But um, these guys are amazing. They they basically work out that if there's a veteran, either serving or not, um, who is falling on hard times, they'll help. Or if they find one suicidal, um, even the police um, can get in touch with them and, and often do, saying, look, we've, we've got this soldier, he's, he's drunk, he's suicidal, we've taken him in the, or he's gone to the hospital. They're all over the country. They've got members that will volunteer to go and pick that soldier up, ex-soldier, soldier, take them down to this place and then sit with them, um, almost like on guard with them. And um, there's local psychiatric um, professionals who do it part-time other than their work as a charity will come out and visit them and, and give them the help. Oh, that's, yeah, that's amazing. That's perfect. Yeah. Where's the best place to find them? What's the, is it? Um, if you look on um, Forgotten Veterans, put it into the search engine on your Google. Okay, perfect. They'll come up. So yeah, I'd like to plug them because I think, you know, to, to do that, to have members all over, you know, yourself, like, uh, you know, um, all call signs and, you know, and, and again, it's another thing. Social media is great in this, in this day and age of mental health, whereas someone's struggling, um, there's a network of people because we can all talk to each other. Yeah. Right so when somebody goes missing, you get, somebody's gone missing. Uh, I haven't seen this person in a week. They don't know where they are. And then it spreads yeah. across the internet and somebody goes, yeah, I've seen them here. And it's like, okay, they're safe. Yeah. Brilliant. But yeah. 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 All right, uh, Ellis, thank you very much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. I'll put the link to the charity event in the description for this episode. Um, and I'll also put as many as many of your poetry as you want me to. I'll uh, bring it on there as well. Yeah, I'll start sending you some more. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thanks, Ash. I'll speak to you. Hello, everyone. You're listening to Blue Pigment Podcast. If you want to become a patron of this show, please go to patreon.com forward slash blue pigment. You will be helping me help the talent that I find along the way. Not only that, the podcast is an advocate for mental health and the positive message in which we want to send about mental health. So if you are a bit about that and you want to jump on board, then please become a patron at patreon.com forward slash blue pigment. Uh, would love to have you on board. And not only that, uh, you'll get the chance to get some free stuff and be giving another big giveaway soon to find out what it is go to patreon.com forward slash blue pigment become a patron and get yourself some free stuff the opinions or views expressed on this podcast are solely of my own or the guests and do not represent the opinions or views of anybody else or the ministry of defense Shish kebab. Shish redemption. Chicago! You're out of there!